Is he a nine or a 10? <laughs> Gary Lineker was an eight. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how you doing, everybody? Welcome to Wrighty's House on Ringer FC. What are we talking about this week? We're going to, you know, we're going to talk about the December schedule. People talk about it a lot. Games over Christmas, family stuff, all that kind of stuff. North London Derby, got to talk about that. That's a big game, not only in the schedule, but in my life. It's a massive game in my life. Gary Lineker's going to get flowers for his 60th birthday. I've got to make people realise how much I love him and what he means to me, and he has to get flowers. And I'm going to have a, just a touch on Cavani, Cavani's brilliant movement for those two goals. Cavani doesn't come on the pitch. Those two goals don't get scored. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And my guest is going to be Musa Akwanga. This episode is brought to you by Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Everything dogs do, they give their 100%. Feed them food to help them keep giving it their all with Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Nutro, feed clean. Learn more at Nutro.com. Made with non-GMO ingredients. Trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing. This episode is brought to you by the Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is designed for the ultimate safety test, climate change. Because when driving in pure mode, you're driving electric for everyone's safety. Visit volvocars.com slash US. So how you doing, Mr. Kwongo, my friend? And you're cool to- your, co- your top is cool. <laughs> I love that. That's 1962 originals. That's the thing. Garincha. The- Garincha. Is that- Seriously? Well, it's that era. You know, that World Cup, it's funny. Oh, the of- Chile. I don't know if I mentioned to Ryan, but I actually went to um, Brazil for the World Cup in 2014. I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> this to Ryan. <laughs> I used to talk about that. And uh, yeah, the, the way that Garincha is talked about, he is so beloved. Like he's... I know. It's I weirdly, that. in a way, like as beloved as Pele, if not more. It's really interesting. I think it's... No, I think it's more weird because remember when Pele missed that World Cup, it was Garincha, Garincha who literally who carried just it. carried it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to say, Moose, with the December Christmas period, Yeah, I've got to start by saying the last Christmas I had, proper Christmas with the family would have been eight, 84, because then 85 signed for Palace. And then from, from then until 2000, 2000, that was it. There was no such thing really as Christmas. Unbelievable. Because of the football calendar. And the thing is, when you go into it, you don't realise that. Because no. when you watch when you watch football, you just all you see is oh, there's so many games around here. Oh my gosh! And you just watch it. But when you're in it, my gosh, it's just like after a while as well. Once the kids and everything, you don't get to see the kids properly. You know what I mean? You don't do that Christmas. Sometimes you have to leave early in the morning to go training on Christmas morning, so you don't see that. So everybody has to wait for you. It kind of they have to wait for you to come back if they're going to open presents, or you open the presents when you know really early in the morning. Then you've got to leave. And then some of the times you come back, you might be able to have dinner with your family because if you're playing away or at home, you have to go in a hotel on Christmas Day. So you're not spending time, that Christmas time with the family. You know, especially with my family, they all come over. They come over to the house. People are staying. Yeah. 
So sometimes you have to go upstairs, you have to kind of disassociate yourself, disengage so as you can be in the right frame of mind and stuff like that because you can't get down there where you've got your brothers and cousins and everybody doing the Christmas thing and the, they're drinking their stuff, they're having a good time, they're watching. And you are the person who's over there. That's why You know what I mean? Like and isolation. It, it is. It is like isolation. And then you drive to training, which was always a beautiful thing on a Christmas morning. You drive to training and the sun was always shining. There's nothing on the road. And just, just contemplating, wow, this, it's Christmas day. You know, yeah, but what would, where would you rather be? You know, would you rather not be a footballer? Yes, right, you have. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a strange, it's a strange time because you think to yourself, am I being too selfish by not, by thinking, oh, I can't spend time with my, with my family. Because, whereas there's probably people who would want to be a footballer. Can I say this though? The, the one comparison I draw between being a footballer and another type of artist, like a writer or whatever, you know, those shops you go into and it's so expensive. There's no price tags on the clothes. Yes. <laughs> Because they know that whoever's in that shop is going to pay whatever price it is. Yeah, they can pay. Right. And I think being a footballer, some of it is like that, where it's like going into a shop with no price tag. Because yeah. for the dream, you pay yeah. whatever the dream costs. That's what, exactly. That makes sense. Absolute sense. Absolute sense with Christmas. It's, and it's funny because just, just when you say about the dream and what the dream costs, you know, I have, to, I have to mention Maradona quickly, simply because of the amount of respect he got. It was beautiful to see. But I remember when he was 12, when he'd done that interview talking about wanting to be champion of the world and this and that. We're talking when he was 12, three right. years, three years later, his whole life from the age of 15 until unfortunately died the other day, his life was, for me, it seemed like hell, whether that was self-inflicted or the people outside. But I remember wanting to be him, especially in 86 um, and what he'd done, the, the adulation and the, the, how brilliant he was. When I watched that, um, that documentary, it just, I did not want to be him. It made me say, I would not have wanted to be at that level. I just, it frightened me to death. Remember when you said to me, Moose, yeah. when he arrives at Buenos Aires airport, petrified. His eyes. He, he couldn't, honestly. so couldn't frightening. It. It was this frightening. is the thing, because you're someone that obviously you've received, you know, you're visible. People know who you are out and about. Like that is almost like a sort of, that's a nice level of exposure what you have. But you see this video of Leo Messi in his car. Have you seen it? Um, yes. Oh yes. my goodness, this morning. And like people are tapping on the window. Dios, Dios. And he's oh, just no. there. And he's like, you know, you can see. But the thing is, you just, this, his body language, this is a normal dude. Mm -hmm. He is. They're not these like, you know, actually as are all footballers, they're not these sort of super heroic. They're just people. And I think to me, it's like, it's when, when you're a child, you envy it. And then you become an adult. Oh gosh. And you're like, oh my goodness, I wouldn't want it's that. It's the at most, all. if I'm going to be totally honest, it is the most overrated thing about being successful at what you do in, with the, when the fame comes. The fame is the most overrated thing about it because that is the thing that more than anything else, and I've never got that kind of fame, but I knew what it was like, especially 1990 once I, I was just a normal player playing for Crystal Palace. And then the, the next day you play against Manchester United in the FA Cup. And the next day people are stopping their cars in the same area where they were driving past you, stopping cars in the road, pulling over. When I scored those two goals in the final, yeah. my life, it changed in a weekend. And at the time, it's quite hedonist. It's unbelievable. As time, go, as time goes by, continuously being recognised, it, it's, it's something that it's draining. And when, what you saw with Maradona is not only was he recognised everywhere, but the claustrophobia that he must have felt as, Everything oh was always, everything around him was rushed and you yeah. know, he was being jostled and thingied everywhere. And 
And it's always you know? surface level, oh, isn't it? Like, God. like every conversation you have, you know, ends in a selfie. Oh God. You know, it's, it's not like, it's so not like, horrible, yeah. you know, there's, there's not like, oh, like, um, well, nice like, as, how's, how's, how's your day? Or like, you know, yeah, yeah. how are you getting some time away from this? Or like, you know, what, what what's price, your kind of- The price you know, is the selfie at the end. Yeah, what, what's your, what's your go-to, what's in a lockdown? <laughs> what's a go-to meal of choice? None of that, like just, you know, no, no mm. normality. No, and that's the thing, you know, so you mentioned that and it takes us nicely back onto the, the Christmas because Christmas, which is normal, was no longer normal. Mm. And then you get into a situation where it's normal to not have it. So in 2000, when it comes back, it was really, it was beautiful. Mm. It really was beautiful. I would never have changed it, but I think that people don't, I would never have changed what happened for me to missing all those Christmas, having to leave the family, especially when the girls are really young, all my boys are really young and they, they're not really, they're confused. Where's he going? Where's he going? Where's daddy? And they, they dealt with that, all of that. Um, it might sound cruel, but I, I would never change that. Yes. But once, once you're able to have Christmas again, it's almost like, oh my God, I love Christmas. Yeah. Christmas wasn't great in the house when I was a child. It was horrible. It was rubbish. So in, it, when, when I went through those years, when I could afford to make sure to buy my kids stuff and people come over and we have a beautiful Christmas, I wasn't there to enjoy it. Yeah. I wasn't there to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Trying to have a, that great Christmas that I always dreamt of when I was a child. But then now from 2000 onwards, you know, it's blissful. Yeah, oh yeah. God, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And this is what the, the, the lads, why the lads, you know, the games, it's kind of like a, you think of that afterwards. I was, I was looking at like, the amount of games that I had to, I, we, I, Roscoe pulled up some stuff. It was 93, 94. Mm. And it was the Christmas period. I must've played about, it was eight games. It was eight in the, games. In the in, month? In the, in, the, in, the, in the December month, yeah. Right, but like, and yes, the pitches were worse and this and that, but the things, you don't train as much. You, 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 have, you recover and then you go again. Mm. But like these guys are playing 11, 12 games. I mean, and it's just unreal. In this year, in this year as well, so with the, 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 the way the, the pre-season's gone, it's unreal. What's strangest, this season is only like 10 games deep. Each time I look at the yeah. league table, I'm shocked. I'm like, this Premier League season feels like it's going so slowly because so much has already happened. Mm. Liverpool got beaten 7-2 seven seven by Aston yes. Villa. Yes. They got beaten 7-2. And then Villa, who get beaten 2-1 last night by West Ham. Mm. Like, there's... There are so many wild things that have already happened this season. And it's almost like, I wonder what this is going to do mentally to players in terms of mental, like is mental fatigue going to decide this season more than physical fatigue? I wonder. Wow. Wow. I don't know. Like, but I think about that now. Can I say with Liverpool and, and Klopp and the way that Klopp is very much still smiley, still in control, but, you know, calling people out, mm. mentioning names and that, it's almost like, whoa, man, that, me looking in, it's looking like it's really bothering. We, he's, he's putting the right face on. Yes. This is really bothering him. Yes. He's rattled. I don't mean rattled as in like, I'm not laughing at him. I'm not kind of. No, no, no. I mean, as he's genuinely concerned. Yeah. Like he's genuinely yeah. concerned and upset because the Des Kelly thing, for him to go after someone like that, yeah. that isn't some like, not everything is master plan tactical. Some things are just someone in yeah. the public eye under yeah. pressure, just mm -hmm. being like, I don't like any of this. If that makes sense. But it does, Musa, but I, what doesn't make sense is, and, and people will say, well, yeah, but look, what about the, the, the teams at the lower end of the, the, the league? But five subs is everywhere. It's everywhere else. Five substitutes. It's not, 
it's people say, oh yeah, that's all right for you to say with teams with money, but you know, five subs it, in this time, in this current climate, with what's going on, with how yeah. many games they've got to play, with the the the, the shortened preseason, the five subs doesn't sound to me no. like it's totally out of the question. No, I need a better argument to say why they shouldn't have it. And people say, yeah, yeah, because it's all right for Liverpool, Man City, they can. You know, Man United can bring off, bring a world-class player off the bench and stuff like that now. And can you imagine what he could do with five subs? But even if you just do it, even if it was for, for this season, if you're not going to bring it in, I mean, it's because I think that it's needed. It is. Look at, look at, look at um, Uruguay go away on their uh, international break and come back with 16 players testing positive. Oh my gosh. 16. And we're just lucky we haven't had an outbreak like that mm. because if we, we, we could have an outbreak like that tomorrow and all of a sudden everyone's going, oh my goodness, should have had five subs, should have had five yeah. subs. And then all of a sudden you're playing like youth team players. You're playing youth team players. Like, do we really want to go there? Like, this is wild. I don't get it. I don't get it. Just quickly as well, they've got to do this concussion substitute stuff. They've got to have a free sub. It can't be somewhere where people are, you have to sub someone off. They've got to have that in place because that for me is just logical to have. Because almost, if you don't, then you're penalising someone yep, for getting yeah, like for a getting, collision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for really, both of them really going in at it. Yeah. And the same with, like for me with David Luiz, you know, whether the doctor's checked him and he feels all right or not, they've got to put something in where if somebody's fractured their skull and they've been in, in, um, in a collision with somebody, one person's fractured their skull because of the intensity of the, of the collision. Yes. And the other player shouldn't play on neither, just out of... Pure safety. I would almost extend it to a medical substitution, actually. Yeah. I yeah. would almost say, because I think with concussion, people are going to start going, oh, what if it's this? What if it's that? So it'd almost be like, if there's a medical ruling that for whatever reason, the player has to be removed from the field, mm -hmm. you can have a medical sub. Mm. I think that should be, yeah. does that make sense? Because I think there'll be, does, other, yeah. there'll be other stuff where people will be like, oh, why about that? But I just think we need to like make it more normal, Ian, for mm. people not to be like, oh, it's macho to play on. Yes. I saw David Priest writing about this in the mm. Times. He was like, you know, I was trying to be brave, this misguided notion of bravery. And it's, yeah. you see it with like the COVID thing, like yeah. I'm going to tough it out. Yeah. I'm too tough for the virus. It's, no, it's, it, no, it's no, a no. pandemic, it's a pan you know, it's a pandemic. And mm -hmm. also having an attitude towards concussions, it's not just about you, it's about all the people playing at Sunday league level who are like, oh, he toughs it out. I'm fine yeah, too. I, I, I can do it, yeah. I want to be like him. I want to be like mm. her. I want to be like them. I want to be like my, my heroes of football. They tough it out. No, it's because that goes all the way down the pyramid of football. Yeah the attitude yeah. towards physical safety. That makes yeah. sense. It does. You know, as well with the, with the Christmas thing, now, now as you're speaking, that my mind just, just moved over to it, is that the thing with missing, going back to missing the family, missing yeah. being, is if you, it's really weird and just, and crazy how it works. Because if you do well, you're not really fussed. <laughs> you know I mean? oh Especially if I scored and that, and we were doing well. Yeah. You're not really fussed. Now I'm not saying... I don't care about my family, ah, but yeah. it does hurt more deeply <laughs> if, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're losing around Christmas, you miss them more. But because if we're winning around Christmas, because it's <laughs> such an yeah. integral, it's so integral to the, to the season yeah. where you're going to go. Are you going to get up there and push? Or are you going to be in around, the, like not the relegation, but in that middle bit where you're fighting to get away from there, which I was quite fortunate that we never had to, but yeah. You know, you can have a Christmas period where it can all of a sudden give you a massive boost because I remember we used to always be thinking, let's see if we can win at least three of these on this. If we can win 
three of them on the spin and then not lose any games, just draw the games. And that, that really gives you a boost. Actually, I want to ask you this as well. Like, is, mm. was the, there's a couple things I want to ask about. Were the Boxing Day crowds different because people oh, are hyped? Because that's yeah. the thing. It must have been, there's a vibe there. But it like, was like early. It was too early. It felt early, Moose, because you could see people were kind of had a... <laughs> the vibe of it was, yeah, we're really full and stuffed and now we just sort of watch gonna some say, football. And it's that nice... And the weather was always crisp and sunny. Yes. And then all of a sudden you can feel... It's a different kind of energy. It's a really... It's a, it's a different kind of energy. But you're making their... Box, you're making their Christmas. You score like a big goal on Boxing Day. Yeah you're kind of making their Christmas, aren't you? Because they've come to the game, like often it's a family thing, isn't it? Like the family will come out, yeah. all still like turkey stuffed. Yeah. It was, no, I, I, I like I say, you, you look back on it and of course, from your family's point of view, they will have a totally different um, way to, to describe what Christmas meant to them when you've got a footballer in the family. Yeah. But for me, the other side of it was winning games and being with the guys. It was almost like where the family substitute comes in because yeah. you've got to remember, you have to leave some of the times, you, have to, you sometimes have to leave on Christmas Day. So right. whether the family then bring everything forward, you open presents, you do everything, you cram it all in because you've got to leave, which then does kind of spoil it for them because all of a sudden you leave and you're not there. But then you go with the guys and all of a sudden you go in the guys and you go in a, a room full of six, seven guys for Christmas and you're just talking about life, talking about stuff on Christmas Day, spending time together. That's wild, spending Christmases. Actually, here's a weird thing. is because how many people actually spend Christmas with their work colleagues? Wow. I mean, here's the thing. I want to wonder, I wonder about like over the Christmas break, every, you know, everyone's at home, right? The family's mm. at home, extended family's at home. So what does that do mentally to the players? Is there any different throughout the season? Is it? Is that a different, is it more intense? Is it less intense? How, how what do you mean? Out of, what, in their frame of mind because of the Christmas? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, just generally. No, because I think that what happens is, Moose, you naturally just go into that space where, right, this is it now. So mm. yes, Christmas. As soon as the door closes, Moose, you're back to the footballer who's got to go and win a football match. Yeah, Of course, you're enough. still thinking about um, your family and what they're doing and hopefully everybody's got the right presence in that. But once you get into the training, it's back to bam. And yeah. then you stop training on Christmas Day. Then you will go to the hotel, you know, you, 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 you have your meal and then you might mix with a couple of people. Cause remember you can't drink, you can't do anything. You can't do anything in a festive time where everybody's doing what you do in a festive time, because you're, you're a professional football and you've got to play a football match the next day and you've got to be right. You've got to be ready. Do you know, you I know? love hearing about, I love hearing about this family stuff because mm. when people talk about, when I see footballers make certain moves, right. And the move doesn't mm. make sense mm -hmm. from on the surface. I think to myself, that's a family decision. Mm. You know, like Paulinho going out to like China and the money's amazing. Yeah. And then I Googled the city where he's living. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like one of the greatest places, like it's the best, one of the best cities in the world to eat. Seriously? Yeah. Like Guangzhou is like one of the best cities you can eat anywhere in the world. I thought to myself, wow, like he's bringing up, it's him and his wife and his kids out in China, earning in great amazing money. amazing place, yeah off the radar and just living life. I remember, you know what? We say that and I have to, the person I'll have to bring that back to who was saying the same thing was David Rowcastle when he went to, out to Malaysia. Wow, he said they okay. lived in a, pro, in a part of the province which was absolutely magnificent to live, the people, the place. You know what I mean? He said it was amazing. It's funny, we say that, but like even I was listening to you guys and I think something, Sevilla came up and like people say that 
when you go to Sevilla, you literally do not want to leave Sevilla. Yes. It's amazing. It's an amazing yeah. place to be. I flew over it. I flew over Sevilla. And you know, yeah. there's some places where you just catch a glimpse of them. Mm. Like when I first came to Berlin, I was just here for a couple of days and I was just like, I could not forget it. Like for 20 years, having been here, I was like, I have to return to Berlin. Mm. And I feel there's certain cities in the world. I won't name them in case other people rush there first. But <laughs> 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 I've got a few races I won't mention, but yeah. <laughs> but this, but with, like I said, like the Christmas, um, I'm not sure how I'd have dealt with with this one. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, as a striker and wanting to score, because you had games that came so quickly after one another, mm. um, and then you're always looking at who scored, has he scored? And you kind of get into a mode of um, just thinking about almost fast forwarding. I could get four goals in this period. Right, right. You know, they could blast me straight right up there. You know, we could win, free, like I say, we could win three games and all of a sudden we're right amongst it again. You know, that's the kind of the vibe you have. But all the time in the background, you may get, you may get some time where you think, when we get back, I'll just have a blast with the family. Because remember, there was times where people would talk about certain players from our team, and I won't mention, I won't mention <laughs> them, who, would, who would make sure that their, their suspension coincided with Christmas. Yeah, we will not mention any of those. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of those in the modern game as well, actually. Honestly. Because remember, we're talking about a different culture, a different kind of player and what they would do in and around Christmas. Because like I say, what I used to miss around Christmas, obviously was you have a nice drink, you have, you know, you, you have fun, you mess around, you do all that stuff. Yeah. If you're suspended in that time, Musa, mm. you, can, you can do what you want. You can, you can literally do whatever you want. And so you get some players who would, for me, probably make it coincide with them getting suspended in and around the Christmas period. Because as a member, remember the games come so, so fast. Yeah. You could have three games in like three. four, four in a week. So yeah. you could be suspended in a week. So you could have a blast for a week and then you'll be back next week and you're playing again. Because over the Christmas period. <laughs> well, I, did, I look at this um, Christmas period, I think to myself, are there like, there are players out there like, I think particularly strikers were like, I can pick up, I can pick up some goals here because people yeah. are a bit slack. People are not mentally yeah. focused on it. They're like mm. thinking about other things. They're distracted. Yeah. Did you yeah. chat a bit more? Like during the Christmas break, would you find yourself like- Talking to a, like a player who's- Yeah, like, talking to players like, oh, like, you know, gosh, away from the family. Oh, you know, like, <laughs> who, wants, who wants to be out here in this? <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that um, there was a, there's a, a camaraderie with, with everybody. I think it's even with your, your opponents that everybody knows what everybody's going through yeah, in respect of yeah. missing their family at that time. Yeah. One of the worst things that you would always worry about is someone being really injured okay. in and around that time. Because remember, it's a sensitive time for families as well. You know what I mean? So if you got injured around that time, it's a bad injury and that you really felt it even more for that particular person, that particular player, because you're leaving to go and play the, do the Christmas period. The family's gutted that you're leaving. And then you get a major injury in and around that time. It's really quite sensitive. It's a yeah, sensitive yeah. time. I think we forget the kind of, um, the community of footballers sometimes. Yeah, like we're, yeah. not, because we're not part of it, but you have, you know, I'm sure now, especially now with WhatsApp, you've all got that, that community. It's probably even stronger than before, I guess, in some yeah. ways. Yeah, but the thing is, is that um, my, um, my WhatsApp now with certain, certain players, it's, <laughs> it's I, you know what I mean? It's amazing. My Roy, the Roy Keane one, it's just, we're literally, we argue all the time. Even if, he's, <laughs> if he's doing his stuff on Sky and I'm doing match a day, I'll do something. Like before I go on match a day, especially if Arsenal, 
<laughs> not doing well. I'll get some. I'll get some stuff from him, and I'll send him stuff from about Man United, and then we start. It just keeps going. It goes for. It goes for days. It who's goes. Chat, for- who's chat? Who's chat? You know, sometimes who's chat do you avoid? Because we've all got people who like after certain results. I just can't mm. look at my phone. I won't look at my phone. I'm not going to answer certain DMs. I I would even no no no. no Roy Keane. You heard Roy Keane. You know, before we, before, before we go for the break, I, Roy Keane, like, he literally kicked me in the balls and caught both of them. He's like, <laughs> when he done that bit on Sky where he said, you know, yeah, I think, I think Arsenal will be all right. I think they'll, I think they'll just survive the relegation. <laughs> it literally, it was a killer. That was the one, Moots. It was a killer. This episode is brought to you by Nutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Tail wags that could clear a coffee table. Getting a whiff of a new friend's behind. Chasing squirrels, even in their sleep. Everything dogs do, they do with everything they have. Nutro Clean Recipes gives them the energy they need to keep living their best life with recipes that help them give it their all. Made with non-GMO ingredients, except the trace amounts that may come in contact during manufacturing, Nutro Natural Choice makes it easy to feed your dog well. With no artificial flavors or preservatives and recipes that would make any dog drool, you'll both be doing a happy dance when you fill up their bowl. Nutro. Feed clean. Learn more at Nutro.com. Trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing. Going into the North London derby, yep. I'm always nervous about it. Simply because it was, for me, it was one of the best games. I really enjoyed everything about it. And when I went to Arsenal, it was the game that meant the most to the fans and yeah. at the time to the players because we had a lot of players that came through um, that derby from the age of like nine and 10 and what yeah. it meant. But this is the first one I'm going to, Moose, where I am, I'm, 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 I'm afraid. Okay. I'm afraid simply because of where Tottenham are at the moment and we can't ignore where they are. They are mm. in the ascendancy. They are. They're in the ascendancy. And when you look at what we're doing at the moment, we seem to be still trying to find something now. Is he going to play four at the back? He's going to play three at the back. What's going on? You know, yeah. who's going who's gonna to pick up their players? You know, we'll go in depth, but this is as afraid as I've been for a North London derby as I've been for a while. And they've got Mourinho managing them. Yeah. And he likes these kinds of games. It's, the, it's perfect. He, he, likes he wants to embarrass us. Yeah. And he doesn't, he's brutal. I mean, he obviously did that when he was at Chelsea. Um, you know, we know, we know what he's capable of in these mm. matches. The thing that concerns about Arsenal, looking at the lineup they had last time, the loss against Wolves. Mm. When I look at that team of 11, this is how, I don't want to sound harsh on Arsenal, but mm. I look at that team of 11 and I look at Arsenal's wealth and what they have and their resources. And I think to myself, most of these players are very, very good deputies to starting players. Yeah, it's a good point. Like I look at a lot of them like, and I'm like, I don't want to name the individual names because it feels even cruel to do that. But I look at certain players and go, you are an outstanding person to come in for this playmaker and Mm. this play. Whereas when I look at games, yeah. When I look at the Spurs team and I look at Kane and Ndombele, I'm like, you're starting players. Yeah. You know, almost all of your starting, like Son and Ndombele, Kane Mm. and, and, and so many others. You know, Spurs had Bale on the bench against Chelsea and didn't yeah. even use him. They didn't mm-hmm. even use Gareth Bale off the bench against. That is a power move. Massive power move because you know, at some stage, he's going to come into that team and make a big stand. So, and make a big noise simply because of what he's capable of doing, 
what Spurs can do. Because one of the most significant results for me for Spurs, I call it a statement win, right? <laughs> statement, was, yes, was, yes. was the West Brom game. Those games, listening to Mourinho talking about, you know what I mean, my players are not happy in the dressing room to get a nil-nil draw here. You know, the, the way he's changed their thinking. Yes. That game against West Brom, winning Huge. those games are the, the ones where one. you go back and you think to yourself, that's the game what helped us win the league. Yes. You know, you look at Arsenal, they will look at Arsenal, they'll look at Arsenal's expected goals, which is like, I think it was, it's one at the moment, maximum. We're, we're taking 58 passes just to get a shot on the goal. Goodness. You know, Mourinho will let us have the ball because we'll play straight into their hands, yeah. I believe, with what we're doing at the moment. I don't know what, what, what he's going to do. Who's going to pick up Harry Kane when he drops in? When you look at what um, Chelsea done against Tottenham, which was, for me, was, was brilliant because they've got the players to do it. You've got mm. Thiago Silva, you've got Kante. The communication between them, when he goes in there, Harry Kane, the communication was great. And you've got somebody who is one of the best in the world at playing that particular role Yes, in Kante. Yes. Dropping in and making sure that you snuff out that danger. Who's going to do that for us? I don't see it. And that's a problem, you know, you have the defensive two, or the, 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 the so not defensive, they're an axis. I mean, Sabah is a ball player. And Chaka is someone who can play well in two, but he's not, he's not an elite defensive midfielder. Mm -hmm. And you need someone, it's particularly this incarnation of, of um, Harry Kane, where he's dropping yeah. deep and playing as a proper, like as a nine, but also as an orthodox 10 sometimes on the break. Yeah. I don't see anyone clogging that gap. And I just look at that midfield five for Arsenal and it's not... It's not a team sheet you look at and feel intimidated by, and it should yeah. be. It should be. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but then I'm intimidated by the Spurs side at the minute simply because when you look at what happened to us with Villa being able to like with, with someone like Grealish who can run with the ball. You know what I mean? People like that. Like you look at Son who can run with the ball, Bergwijn, yeah. and Domble. Somebody who and Domble, when you saw him get into that space against City and then just flick that pass, he's got amazing ability yes he's got fantastic ability and he can run with the ball he's very strong intelligent player you've got him who can run with the ball Bergwijn Son Kane can drop off you look at it and you think to yourself what are we going to do to contain somebody who can run with the ball we, we can't are we going to put Elneny is it Elneny this is the problem because you have you know, Hoiberg and Sissoko. They can both break or sit that's yeah. the thing they, 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 can, they can push on so they're not static whereas you look at um, Arsenal and they don't have enough breaking runners. No. Uh, I look at Spurs and they have people who can hurt you in a variety of ways. Oh, you know, yeah. Moura, more direct maybe. Bergvine has got the, have got the feet. Um, they just have a variety of tools. Mm -hmm. This almost feels, and I, I hate to say this, this feels mm. like a kind of, it feels like a Chelsea-Arsenal dynamic. It feels like Mourinho-Chelsea because this Spurs team, I think it's now time to start comparing them to second era Mourinho. Mm. You know, and they had the, and actually weirdly enough, the one thing, maybe even more robust because when second era Mourinho had, you had Matic and Fabregas, right? Mm. So you had a playmaker, you know, Fabregas was many things, but defensively was not the strongest. He was mm -hmm. maybe underrated, but not the best defender. But now you've got two very strong defenders in Sissoko and Hoiberg. So you've got an even stronger defensive axis. Plus you've got Ndombele who can sit and form part of that three and just be robust and soak everything up or play as a 10 and break. It's almost like Mourinho got that point off Chelsea because it's just a great point to give. Maybe mm -hmm. thinking 
I'll get four points off these games. Yes. The one will Amazing. be Chelsea and the three yeah. will be Arsenal. That's almost but how we might no, have I think, planned it. I think that the, they, they, will have been, they will be looking at the Arsenal game as if they don't get three points, they'll be more disappointed than anything. Yes, and they should be. Yeah, yeah. The way Arsenal are playing at the moment and the way they're playing, you have to say that the way they played against Chelsea, they were, they, they, it, it seemed like they were okay in the end. Yes, Giroud should have, for me, should have done better with his chance at the end. But then again, you see when Lo Celso went through, Reguilón was on the outside, he didn't pass it to him. He maybe could have squared. Any of them could have won the game. I thought a draw was, was, um, was the right thing to, the right outcome in that particular game, Musa. But when I look at Arsenal and what Tottenham are doing now and Tottenham's frame of mind now, like I say, the West Brom game, the mm. Chelsea game, City and Chelsea, four points. This is a game where they say, no, we don't want a point in this game. Not the way we're playing. No. Not with Arsenal. Because you look at Arsenal, who's even, when you look at our, for instance, our right-hand side, you know, with our thrust has to come from people like Hector Bellerin and Kieran Tierney. I don't, what, I don't even know what he's going to play because you look at Xhaka and Ceballos. Yes. And when you look what Bielsa done to them, when he just put Cleek just to go forward and then it pulled him even further back. Brutal. It's you know, brutal. It's like Tottenham, if they do anything like that, you know, then they're going to have all that space to play in with Kane to go and drop into. What's going to happen with Hoiberg? Hoiberg is somebody that is he's one of the most successful passers in the league at the moment, definitely in the Tottenham side. So is Lacazette going to play? Drop you onto know, him. The more, I don't know the more what I, they're going to do. Well, the more I watch the Premier League season, the more I'm thinking the greatest possible tactic for any, any Premier League manager is to get the opposition to play Leeds first. Because that, <laughs> because that, if you deploy Bielsa first, Bielsa's like the kind of, he's like the armor piercing. So right? you could see what, yes. Armor piercing. He shows you, okay, Bielsa's like, okay, that, that, that works. And they don't, Leeds don't actually get that many No, points. you know what it's like, Moose? Let me say what it's like. It's like my little girl's not being able to turn the top off on the jam jar or something. Yeah, and they and loosen you, it. <laughs> you, yeah, they loosen it a bit, then you get it off. That's what he does. He's the person that does that first bit. He puts that, the work in. That is an incredible analogy. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. He loosens the lid. He loosens the lid. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, Moose. I can't even lie. I think a bit of fear is... It's not a bad thing. Healthy. No, it's healthy because I think it will preempt some of the problems. I think uh, I worry for Arteta. I said this before. I think there's been a failure of recruitment. Mm. Um, really, because those... Arteta with a better... If Arteta was managing at Chelsea with those players... I think you see a very different type of football or mm. I think he's maximized what he has. Yeah. And yeah. this is what scares me because, you know, Willock, Bakara Saka, Willian, Chaka, Ceballos, like that is, he's getting, I think, almost as much as he can, maybe a little yeah. bit more, but almost as much as he can. Pepe, inconsistent, you know, whereas you look at Chelsea, right? Chelsea have Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech, these are players, Have no, matter, no matter what mm. team you put them in, they're going to like, they're going to beat the first man. We need energy. You do need, need energy. We need yeah. energy in legs. I'm thinking, as much as, you know, you're, you're looking to see what, I thought Joe Willock done as well as he could do in the second half. And, you know, he tried, he huffed and puffed, Reese Nelson the same, but we're going to need somebody like Ainsley, Maitland-Niles in there. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, of the lineup. I'm trying to think of how Arsenal best try and play against them. I'm not, I don't think El Nenny's going to play. 
Partey is not going to play. Mm. If it's if it's Ceballos and Xhaka, like yeah. that's been his, that's 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 been his kind of like his go to two players that he's been using at the moment. That is not enough. Nowhere near. Um, I think that they need more of someone like Ainsley's physicality to deal with what's going to be going on in that midfield. And then you're looking at like a Lacazette or somebody who's going to have to be able to come off that the front line and patrol that area of Hoiberg. Somebody's got to do something there. Within Gosh, that, what a frustrating thing to think so defensively. Yeah, but we have to because... You have to, yeah. In, when you look at, like I say, from, a, from an offensive point of view, you know, you're thinking maybe you put, you put Ober back on the left, and which is a, it's quite sad because like, I think one of the things that surprised me is that he's had to bow a little bit to the pressure of putting him in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if other people were performing as well as they could do in the middle, then he wouldn't have had to do that. Yeah. Because now with Aurier, you have to say, as much as I like Serge, and he has these games where sometimes you look at it and you think, why can't you just play like that all the time? Why can't you stay at that level? Why do you yeah. then have these kind of like games and, and moments in games when you do silly things? Now, I'm thinking, put Ober back on him. Oh my goodness. It's, it's funny you should mention this because yeah. Anthony Martial, when United was struggling, they put Martial out on the left against Liverpool in the one-all draw. I think Mourinho did that. And mm. what was funny was Martial would often run into multiple coverage. Two, three players would, mm. occ- he'd occupy two, three players. And this was the one-all draw, I think, at Old Trafford. At first I looked at that and thought, oh my goodness, Martial, best player on the left. What's happening there? Mm. Then I, th- I realised that was the tactic. He occupies three men. Mm-hmm. Like, you just basically tell your best player, who in this case is Aubameyang, yeah, yeah. you are going to have a miserable, lonely afternoon with three players on you, but the work you will do will create space we'll create elsewhere. Space. So maybe it's almost about doing that, like have yeah, Aubameyang on the left and then just mm-hmm. open the up the central areas. But then, but then you look in, um, you know, you look at it's, it's a game. You can't say Pepe because obviously he's not playing in the game, but then if you're going to get Aubameyang to occupy three players, then you need somebody or you to need break. players to, to, to take advantage of that. Yeah. Because when you look at the Wolves' second goal, yeah. that was an Arsenal break, a quick break where Saka unfortunately just missed time to pass to Ober on the, on the edge of Wolves' box. And then from there, Wolves, pass them, might have been Connor Cody, straight into the feet of Traore, who then was in front of Hector, turned Hector, and then Xhaka's, um tried to go and win it off of him, and he's turned him. And then from there, they, so we're talking about one pass there, and then one pass from Traore through to Neto. Remember, we're talking about just past the halfway line for Neto to then run 40 yards and get that shot in. It was scary. They can do that, Spurs, easily. Well, they're using Arsenal's choreography against them. This is the thing. Because Arsenal's movements are so precise, right? Yeah. It's, it's almost no like, yeah, you just, yeah, you can follow them straight back the line. It's yeah. almost like uh, they leave, um, there's that they leave famous, a trail. they leave a, the, a ball of wool behind them. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, let's just follow the ball of wool, you know, yeah. the yellow brick road through Arsenal's yeah. defence. In terms of formations, I don't see any radical, I can see it both being 4 2 3 1. Yeah. I can see that happening because why would, it is the shape that most works for both teams, I think. Mm. And it kind of hides the most sins, the most flaws. Yeah, but you say that, but I could see it being probably, obviously, Hector holding, because I'm not sure if David Luiz will play or should with what's happened to his head. I'm not sure. Mm. But like, it will either be him or holding. Gabriel, who you have to say at the moment is a shining light. 
Good player, he's, yeah. Yeah, Good shining player, light. Yeah. And Kieran Tierney, who is, again is going to be somebody that, you know, you, I'm never going to blame him for being left one-on-one with Traore, for Traore to, he will go past anyone. Traore. Yes. Yeah. You know, he will go past anyone. And ideally, I'd love to see someone like Traore up against um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. But I'm not sure how that would happen. No, that, is love, con- that is an that incredible is con- contest. That yeah, would be an yeah. unbelievable contest. It just doesn't happen. It does. You know what I'll tell you as well, just quickly, I, I, I digress yeah, just course. a bit, but can you imagine if you said to, to someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, right, like they used to do in Italy, I want you to man mark such and such. You just follow him. My God, yes. You can, I, you know, I don't think it happens in this game at the moment where somebody gets man marked When they anymore. put Michael Essien on Gerard, Remember. That was mind-blowing. It's like Herrera, like Herrera on Hazard. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the astonishing performances. Yeah, where you're literally, or actually to be honest, I think they did that in the World Cup final with Mateus on Maradona. On Maradona. Yeah, yeah. they did it, didn't they? Yeah. Which was like an ultimate, I mean, as, the maximum amount of respect. We're talking about yeah. Lota Mateus is being used as a man marker. And Maradona still sprung the trap. <laughs> Marad- he still sprung still the trap. Like, yeah. <laughs> and put Muratjaga in. Yeah. Going back to Arsenal and yeah. let expo- what if, if it's the four, so that's the four, like I mentioned, Hector, Holding, yep. Gabriel, Tierney, then you probably, it will be Ceballos and Xhaka. You know what? I'd try and throw something else in the mix. Someone like Reese Nelson mm. um, or even, even Saka, even mm. Saka on the right, you know, something that's going to throw joker, in. As a joker. Yeah. But Saka's going to be on the left. You know what? I'd probably put Reese Nelson on the right instead of William because we know what Willian's going to do. Mm. And for me, he's been a little bit negative with, with the way he's been playing a lot of backwards passing. You need somebody who can at least get back and progress the ball. Willian's like Pedro though. Willian is as good as, if you have someone in the other flank who initiates and orchestrates, Willian can run the counter. Like yeah. as long as, if you don't expect Willian to be the primary playmaker, he's, he's excellent in a system which has someone else doing the kind of, um, running the show. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great runner. He'll join you on every break. He'll do his defensive work, all the rest of it. But you need the unpredictability. We do. Because if yeah. Saka then can go and really put pressure on Aurier, because that's where I think that if we are going to get any kind of joy, yeah. then I think that Saka's got to go up there and put that pressure on him. And then you get Xhaka, who can just maybe pull in on the left. Yeah, yeah. Just to put that body in there. Then obviously El Neni should hold you know something, even with Ceballos, I'm starting to feel like, you know something, you're looking at, um, at Mikel, I'm thinking, Smith, Emil Smith role. If these guys at some stage have got to, Joe Willock, have you had the talk with them, what, let them say, look at this team. Yes. Look at where we are at the moment as a football club, Arsenal. If you can't recognise that this is your moment to come, then it's not, it's not going to happen. Though. Like Mason Mount. Like Absolutely. all those, like the, like the Chelsea, like, like the Chelsea, like che- the whole. It's like Frank just went, right, get those water wings off, in. How get often in. does a number nine spot come up in an elite club? Like, you know, Tammy Abraham at Chelsea, yeah. you look at that and yeah. go, how often in modern football history does the chance to play a nine become vacant? You look at Barcelona oh as well, like Martin Brathwaite. You don't, you don't get the number nine shirt doing just anything. The last mm. guy to have that, you know, like you have like Suarez there. This episode is brought to you by the Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is designed for the ultimate safety test, climate change. 
While driving in pure mode produces zero tailpipe emissions outside, its available advanced air cleaner helps optimize the air inside. The car you trust to protect your family now helps protect their future. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid. For everyone's safety. Learn more at volvocars.com US. This episode is brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. If you vape, you could be inhaling toxic metals into your lungs. To make you feel how scary that is, we could have gone to town with some real scary music. Thrown in some zombie sound effects or some blood-curdling screaming and over-the-top shrieking. You get the point. But nothing is as scary as the facts. Vaping can deliver toxic metals like nickel and lead in your lungs. That's metal. In your lungs. Read up about the dangers of vaping on therealcost.gov. Before we, um, I get too excited about other nines, mm. let's get on to a nine whose 60th birthday it was. A t- is he a nine or a <laughs> ten? <laughs> <laughs> is he a nine eight. or a ten? Gary Lineker was an eight. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Lineker. I'm so pleased you've done that, Moose, because he makes jokes all the time. Right. right. When we're on Match of the Day and when people when people tweet him and whatever about where, but well, it doesn't matter because football was only invented in 92 when the Premier yeah, League yeah, started. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like people like him, Ian Rush, Mark Hughes, you know what I mean? I could name many others. Clive Allen. Yes. Right? Elite strikers. They are, they're, they're literally just... Tony Cotty. Tony, Tony Cotty. Cotty. 16. I remember when he scored that first goal against Tottenham, 16 he was. My goodness. Right? But if we're going to talk about those great strikers, that Gary Lineker, right, was, he was elite. He was an elite striker. Yeah. What he went to to Spain and do as well. He left, when he Leicester, he, had, he went to that, what, Everton, 38 goals at Everton at that time. Do you remember that time when he went to Unbelie- Everton? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, and it's funny because I was watching his old, because one thing um, I often try to do, because I think one thing he does is, it's almost like he's still trying to lose his man, even though he retired years ago. <laughs> so when you talk, <laughs> I don't think you can get out of a habit because it's like, you talk about stuff and he's always downplaying, downplaying. Oh, yes. no, I wasn't. I was like, I almost feel like saying you've retired. It's okay. Like <laughs> they're not going to catch does you. Downplay. You know, the thing is, he always downplays I, was, it. Yeah. I was very fortunate that, um, like I say, remember I'm continually learning on the job. Mm. So to get into the England setup, and I remember we had to go down to Australasia, play against Australia, Malaysia, and New Zealand. And I got to spend a lot of time with him mm. in that time. And it was like, it was like I say, it was like going to university. Wow, training okay. next to him, listening, speaking to him, watching him playing those games. And yeah, there were games where player of his caliber, he scored four in a game against Malaysia. But, yes, yes. I, but watching him and the movement and what he was doing. And then I had the coach at the time, Steve Harrison, mm. who was with Graham Taylor at the time. He would, afterwards, once we've done all that stuff and we train, he would take me to a field and show me what you do when the ball's here, what you do when the ball's in this position, what you do when the ball goes to that midfielder and where you should be by the time his head comes up. And he said, just continue to watch Gary Lineker because, because he's very intelligent as a player. And we can see yeah. that in the way he is. Now. He's very intelligent as a player. His timing, Musa, was, it was like, it was like precision timing. 
My goodness. It'd be interesting to watch Gary Lineker in this current climate of trying to stay on side with a fraction of a hair's breadth. You know what I mean? In trying to stay on side. But if there's any players intelligent enough to find a way of staying on side, he will be able to do it because I've never seen movement like it. And it was literally, it. when I came back from that trip, I was a different kind of striker. Wow. Because just by it, watching him. Just by watching him because obviously he wasn't bothered about scoring goals from outside the box or beautiful goals. He was in between the posts. It was the kind of goals like you saw Cavani score the other day, which was for me, any striker, I would say to any striker, young striker in the league now, to watch those two goals, what Cavani scored is very Lineker-esque. Um, it's the kind of thing that I would have learned off of Lineker is moving when everybody is not moving because you know where the ball's going to end up. And Cavani's first goal was exactly that. If you watch it and the ball first comes in, he gets himself outside the goal. Yes. But his experience is telling him it's, the ball's about to be shot. I've got to get back into that place. So when the ball's about to be hit, Moose, yeah. he's the only one moving towards the trajectory of where the ball's yes. coming in. Yes, yes, yes. And when you watch, you watch it again and watch how he moves and the ball goes to him. Now people say, oh my gosh, yeah, that's it. That's experience of knowing. He stole those two goals because if, if Manchester United don't put him on the pitch, they do not score those two goals what he scored. Without question. Without they question. would not score them because he scored them in a way, Musa, that is experience of knowing exactly what's happening. Marcus Rashford never picked him out. Marcus Rashford whipped the ball into an area. That first goal, I think it was whoever, whoever took the shot, they weren't Fernandes. looking for him. Fernandes, Fernandes. Yeah. He weren't looking for him. He snuffed out where that ball is going to end up and scored that goal, both of those goals. That is what Gary Lineker Do you know what's funny? Because Gary Lineker once said, he said, um, well, we used to talk about it at school all the time. And he said, don't attack the ball, attack space. Attack space. And I remember there was a, I actually got the chance to meet Gary a few years ago for the first time. I got really excited. I was like, this is going to sound really pathetic, I said. But years ago, I remember you talking about attack the ball, attack space. I was playing at uni and I thought about that in the middle of a game. You know, I thought, oh my goodness, I attacks, where's the space? So I went to the very far post, Ian, <laughs> and I was two yards out and I tapped it in. And literally, I remember the goal like it was yesterday against mm. University College, like literally everyone else on the left side of the pitch. And I was there. And but telling him, I was like, this is the thing. I made that calculation once mm. in 20 years of playing football, I actually thought about, I'm going to go mm. here. And he did that, what, five times a game? Yes. He was yeah. doing that five times every single match. Yeah, because he knows, he's already worked out that I can... You know, yes, you, you, you can have a defender all over you, kicking you all over the place. But when you've got the, the, the Gascoins and, and you've got Waddles and Hoddles and people like this servicing you, mm. you know that you just need to be in the place where they do their best work and get the ball in there. And then you do your best work, which is finishing Gary Lineker. People say he was a tap-in merchant, one of the best ever. You know, we're talking about somebody who went to Barcelona, scoring hat-tricks against Real Madrid. Scoring four goals against Spain. Spain. Can I talk about this as well? I want to talk Please. about this as well. One thing. The technique was underrated. So here's the thing. You know, Jamie Vardy now, Jamie Vardy's first touch is underrated. And so is Lineker's. Yeah. Exponentially so. So Lineker's first touch, if you look at that goal against West Germany, which still blows my mind, the way he lets the ball roll across his body and then hits it with the left. That whole move there, that mm. whole segment of finishing or the volley against Poland when he comes in on the far post and oh, controls, yeah. cushions that. 
a lot of people put that over the bar, Ian. Yes. A lot of players. Yes. The speed he comes in and meets that because the ball is flashing across the flashing, goal yeah. and dipping. I think Van Basten scores one, actually, um, a similar one against England, funnily enough, where he kind of cushions a strike in the hat trick. Mm. Yeah. These are not easy finishes. It's not easy finishes. And he, what I like about him is that, um, you know, he, he doesn't go on about it. But, no. but when you know him and you're close to him, he can throw something in. You know, remember we're talking about, he was a Ballon d'Or runner-up. Yeah. You know, with some serious, serious players. He has to get a massive bunch of flowers for me because I'm indebted to him. And I tell him all the time, and what, one of the best things about me and Gary Lineker's relationship, and I've got the tattoo, that's why I put, tattooed him on. Everybody, my missus, Ross, <laughs> they, Amazing. they tattooed him on my hand because they don't realise what he means to me. And even like Sheeran, I love Sheeran, love Lineker. But I remember, Gary Lineker was retiring in 92 and mm. it was the year I got to Arsenal, right? And so wow. once they said he was retiring, you know, the writers are going to give him everything. The players are going to give him everything. And I believe that was one of my best seasons at Arsenal. My first one, I literally hit the ground running, didn't stop scoring, done everything I needed to do. And in the end, I won the golden boot off of him by one goal. <laughs> I had to score yes. a hat trick yes. on the last day of the season. And I remember what in the, in the evening, I got a message from him saying, congratulations, righty. Oh, wow. He sent so, you a message. Yeah. Yeah. He sent me a message. Congratulations, righty. Well deserved. Was that and the goal? One of the goals you ran away from South London, didn't you? I remember seeing the goal. Remember, you remember, ran like 800 yards. I literally, I Dave Seaman threw it to me and I literally was on a mission. Like you're going but, downhill. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. sent me a message and I thought to myself, you know something, I have to have something to commemorate this season. Yeah. And it wasn't like, if I got beaten by Gary Lineker that season, it would have been easy to take simply yes. because of who he was. But to get that golden boot and pip him was magnificent for me to the point where at the time I was with a boot company and they put out a very disrespectful poster. And I was very upset with it, but I didn't have a lot of say in it. Yeah. About, you, like you know, yeah. yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Do you think he's more respected abroad? Without a doubt. Because you know, like when, when, when David Beckham went to like Madrid that time and he's in yeah. the restaurant, everyone's just going hype over him. Yeah. I wonder if Gary Lineker is someone who, it was someone Marcelo Salas, right? They compared Marcelo Salas. I remember um, World Soccer interviewed. They compared Marcelo Salas at his peak to Gary Lineker and his face just broke out in such joy. He was like, oh my goodness, what a great compliment. Oh my yeah. God, Lineker. And I'm like, hang on a minute. We don't talk about Lineker like that no. here. Same with Bobby no. Robson. And mm -mm. to an extent, kind of David Beckham. Like to an extent, David Beckham. Yeah, like we don't revere our players. No, as much as they should, they should get. Because like and as people, much as they get abroad. Have you heard how Iniesta, Xavi, Zidane, our, our great players talk about Paul Scholes? Right. The respect they give him. It's the same what they do with, with Lineker. And it's the same what they do with Beckham because you cannot go into those teams and not be elite. Right, yeah. You know, not be elite. Because when you look at some of the goal, goals that Beckham set up for people like Ronaldo and the crosses and the free kicks he scored and the way he played, you can see how the Madrid are going to appreciate everything about that guy's play because he was elite. I wonder if part of Garolinica playing down his style, his finishing was really just because culturally, it's also just not the thing. Because, you know, he does have a bit of swag. He has, you have to have it. Yeah. You can't play as a nine at that level and not have a bit of swag, but you almost have to kind of like 
rein yourself in because people don't want to hear it. I wonder if that was maybe part of it. I don't know. I know we've got, he's the kind of person that he knows what he's done. Yeah. We're talking about golden boots and, you know, in world cups, you know, I think he won the golden boot in 86. At that level, you know that when you're going into that tournament, because I heard Bobby Robson say the other day, if Argentina do not have Maradona, they don't win that world cup. No. But when you look at our team, what we had in 86, it was more than capable of getting to the final and having a real goal, especially with Lineker up front. Should have won two straight World Cups, to be honest. 86, 90. Could have, could have. I mean, it sounds harsh to say should have because it's a World Cup. These aren't mm. easy. But what was amazing, and this is a credit to Lineker and Maradona, the World Cup is only as good as what the players make it. I think yeah. it's one of the few, because yeah. it's such a mythical tournament, right? If the players that turn up are not gladiators, the World Cup isn't great. No. And you look at all the great World Cups, they've been dominated by gladiators where players have basically decided, I know the Champions League, I know the European Cup is a great mm. tournament, but I'm going to choose this tournament to make yeah. a demonstration, right? Of my, it, yes. It's why Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba's career has not been the most satisfying at United, but he will always be able to say that I went to a World Cup and I created a mythology. Mm. Same with Mbappe, like, you know. Yeah. And Lineker went, Lineker, like you go to other countries and you see how he's regarded in South America. Mm. Like, you win a golden boot mm. at a World Cup. At a World Cup. It's hey, like, listen, I remember, listen. I remember speaking about 82 the other day and I remember Paolo Rossi. Was, oh my goodness. Because I, I loved Paolo Rossi. I loved that Juventus kit, you know, all that, that, that Juventus kit they had and everything. But when he went to 82, 82, he went under a cloud of that suspicion and all that stuff that was going on with him. And I don't think he scored up until the quarterfinals. Mm. And then he just, he just went. He just, he just went. He just couldn't stop scoring. And he scored the hat-trick against Brazil and he scored in the final. He was just like, I, and I, I watched him and there's nothing, there's nothing like special. Like you think, oh my God, so skillful. Amazing skills he's got and this and that. He was just, one of the best finishers and predatorial finishers that I've ever seen, Paolo Rossi. You know, do you know what I love, I love about Paolo Rossi as well? The fact that he's not paid for drink in Italy for 28 years. That's what they <laughs> say. I'm someone, pretty sure any bar you walk out. Yeah, he can, and the thing is, they said that as well. There was, um, remember when they say, they say silly stats like, he, you know, a, a shoe company, he will never have to buy another pair of shoes in his life. <laughs> I love these things. You know? <laughs> Not even a coffee at a train station. It's like, you sorry. Know, it's- <laughs> you know, just, just speaking about, because like when you mentioned Paolo Rossi, you, uh, Paolo Rossi, obviously, and I remember that Juventus side, I remember the shirt. You know, somebody comes to me that I used to think as well, I really love him. Boniek. <laughs> Boniek. God, I loved Boniek this, so much for Poland. This, yes, of course. And, and was it Juventus as well? Juventus, yeah. With Platini. With, with Platini. Oh my goodness, this team. To be honest, Serie A back then, Anyone listening, I mean, we're slightly older than the listen, most of the listeners, mm. but that whole Serie A era, Zico, Zico was Udinese, Socrates, True. Socrates. Uh, this Serie A at that period, to be honest, like Serie A from like 82 to like 99, 2000 was off the scale. Maybe the greatest run of any league mm. in terms of intensity. Yeah. When you speak about them, Lineker's in that. Yes, he's, he is. He's yeah. at that table, man. My friend's at that table. Lineker now is Aguero. He is Aguero. Yeah. That's who he is. Like there's no substantial difference between them. But how about you though? If you had to play Mm -hmm. in Serie A, who would you have gone to? I wanted to play for AC Milan. I remember there was a time where there was the beauty of Sampdoria. 
that oh my goodness. played there a couple of times. I really loved Sampdoria, but because I think it was the AC Milan kit and the yes. team. Yes. You know what I mean? It was, it was AC Milan for me that I, I just loved that team. Do you know who you would have been? Who? You would have been like Jean, you are like, you're our Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre Papin. Papin. You know, you're, Jean, you're our Jean-Pierre Papin. That's who you know you are. The thing is, I remember Chris Waddle, when he went to Marseille, because I remember Chris Waddle gave me a great chat when I was at Crystal Palace in the second division about finishing. And all he spoke about was me, watch Gary Lineker. Get that side of your game going. You've got other stuff, get that side of your game going. He had a two hour chat with me. And I remember him telling me that he told Bernard Tappy that because um, remember Papan was going to AC Milan. Yes. He told Bernard Tappy to get me. Go and get him. Get him now because if wow. he Get him now. He didn't get, he didn't do it. He obviously he didn't do it. But then I remember Waddle telling me and then Bernard Tappy, once I went to Arsenal, I had that season, kept doing my stuff. Bernard Tappy said to him, this is the guy you told me to Ian, get. that's an incredible story. Do you understand what you would have done? That's blown my mind. Do you realise what you would have done in Marseille? <laughs> no. <Do> you, re- <laughs> no. you would have had a statue. Have you been to Marseille? No. Have you been to- oh my no, God. I've never been. Chris Waddle so- said to me, he said to me, Musa, it would have been the perfect place for you to play. My head has just imploded. <laughs> you in Marseille is the most, on the Stadio podcast, I said that Jamie Vardy was the most Atleti player never to play for Atletico Madrid. Mm. I think you're the most Marseille player never to have played for Marseille. Like that city, yeah. trust me, when you go there, it's going to blow your mind. Like it's, it'll feel like a spiritual homecoming. Seriously. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it's really weird because like, it was something that when I trained with Chris Waddle again, you know, I got to a stage where, because Gary Lineker, going back to him, is um, he's the one who says, you know, make sure you know that you've got at least one midfielder or one player of creativity is going to get you the ball for the runs that you're going to try and make. Gary Lineker, those are the things that he'd say to me. That's why, honestly, I, people think that it's just like we're on the telly together and I, just, I, I adore him. He's a hero. Yeah, of course. Now a friend. This is why when I posted it yesterday for his birthday, I said, you know, a hero, now a friend. Isn't that you know amazing? I mean? he, Isn't that he, an amazing would, feeling? Yeah, but he would say stuff like that to me. I have never forgotten it. He says, make sure you're playing teams. I've got somebody who can see your runs. Amazing. Wow. Well, sorry, that's, uh, sorry, that's, uh, that's been an absolute education in itself. That's, no, um, no, man. Thanks, Moose. Thanks a lot, bro. It's, been, it's great to have you. It's always great to have the guy. I, I can't wait to do the pod, man. I can't wait to do Wrighty's House. I love it. Can it's I say all, Go on. <laughs> what go I love on. about it is... My, my weeks never start badly now. You know, because I've got like, especially this week, I've had like Stadio on the Monday. Yes. And this on the Tuesday. It's like, I've got my good vibes, vitamins. The I've rest got of my vibe, my good vibes, vitamins. I heard that, that Ryan, I heard Ryan say that he's cancelled the word hydration. It yes, cannot yes. no longer. <laughs> by it imperial no longer. decree. <laughs> <laughs> it's been cancelled by imperial decree. Nice, man. Moose, thanks for coming to the yard, bro. Thank you so much. I'll see you I'll soon. God bless Take you. Take care, maestro. Take nice, care. Man. Okay, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to Writer's House. Thank you very much to Musa Kwanga uh, for his wonderful insights. And remember, you can listen to us on all platforms. So hopefully, I'll see you again next week. Have a great week. Take it easy.